Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on uh, ITRWrestling.com, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny McIntosh, I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you today? Kenny, yeah, I'm alright, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I just, just, just want to mention at the start, if that's alright, just want to yeah. give a mention to uh, Bob Mulrennan, uh, yes. who sadly passed away on Saturday. He was a long-time power slam photographer, you know, damn fine photographer, but you know, more importantly, he was you know, a really good guy. He always put himself out. He was extremely accommodating. He was a team player. And, you know, the world sadly got one less of those today, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I just want to mention Bob. You know, knew him for a long time. And uh, yeah, really, really sad to hear that he passed away on Saturday. Yeah, I actually met him at the, the Heyman show we did in New Orleans in 2018. And he was taking photos for, taking some photos for Heyman and stuff. And he was a really, really good guy. He's, you know, he's, contributed some stuff to uh my you know to power slam you know he's, he's yeah the, the, the thing is you can always get a test of when somebody passes away what the response is and you know the res- you don't often hear about photographers that often and but, but a lot of people have been talking about bob these up these past few days so testament to the man behind the camera exactly. um, okay so we're going to talk about SmackDown. We're going to talk about Full Gear today. So I'm sure some of you will be salivated to hear part of the review today. Um, but let's start off with SmackDown uh, from this past Friday. Um, I mean, there was some 
Give us some interesting stuff on the show. I mean, Mustafa Ali is continuing his losing ways. He uh, he went out in the quarterfinal of the World Cup to Ricochet, and then Butch later on was able to defeat uh, Sami Zayn with uh, interference from uh, Jay Uso and uh, Sheamus, which was kind of a, you know, they were brawling, it kind of threw Sami off, and that allowed Butch to get the win. Um what did you think of the World Cup matches this week? And are you is the World Cup doing it for you, or are you still in tournament fatigue mode? Um, I mean, I, I think I am more into it than I was. But there again, I wasn't into it at all. So <laughs> it's a slight upgrade in my enthusiasm level. Um, I mean, I enjoyed Ricochet versus Mustafa Ali. I mean, Ali came into the match all taped up after the beating he had received from Bobby Lashley on Raw. You know, Ali was selling loads. You know, he had his ribs taped and like every bump and every spot, he was selling like he like he meant it, like he was in agonizing pain. Um, at one point, um, Ali avoided a uh, corkscrew from the top rope from Ricochet and hit back with a Kojima clutch. And um, Ricochet made the ropes. It was a really competitive match and very well received by the audience in Hartford, Connecticut as well, which was nice to hear, nice to witness that the audience is giving Ali some some credit, some respect here. Um, you know, in the end, uh, Ricochet hit the shooting star press for the one, two, three. Uh, Michael Cole and Wade Barrett on commentary really heaping the praise on Ali for his courage, you know, for his guts, for his intestinal fortitude. <laughs> and Ricochet helped Ali to the back afterwards. I still feel like this is leading somewhere. You know, there's... there's, you, know, ben, there's like... you, you are you, you are an optimist to, to the end. Because, I mean, with Ali, it's, he's on a losing streak that continues yeah. to happen. It feels that like the only outcome to this uh, is, is, you said, him turning heel. There's no yes. other option. As a babyface, he is dead in the water. Because he just loses all the time. That's, that's right. That. It's, that's right. He took. He lost again on Raw. We'll be talking about Raw later in the week, and took another. Took a hell of a beating from Lashley again. But yeah, this is going somewhere, Kenny. There's a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow, and it's not an imaginary one. I'm telling you. Well, there's a pot of something. We'll see if it's going to be gold. But hopefully, um, I mean, and then the Butch Sammy Zayn one. It was smart. I thought to put the. Uh, to put Sami Zayn in and in, in the cup tournament with Butch because obviously it's you know kind of ties in with war games as well. Um, but the big story coming out of it was after the match where this big brawl, Roman Reigns came out just looking like a mega star, and uh, in the end everybody's fighting and it's just Roman Reigns left standing and who comes out but Kevin Owens to be the fifth member of the team. Um, he goes face to face with Sami. They're sort of looking at each other. Um, they don't obviously hit each other. You know, they're, they're very smart about it because they have Reigns do Reigns hit Owens and then Ridge Hall and pulls Sammy out of the ring. But um, you know, we thought Owens was gonna be the fifth member. Luckily, the injury he received he suffered the previous weekend was not that serious. So war games is on. It feels like the the crowd are pretty into the idea of it. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, yeah, Sami Zayn and, and Butcher in the World Cup match. Um I like the way that they've got the um um, on they've got the the flags, you know, the Canadian, and they've got the Union Jack flag, and um, so I mean, I think that really adds something to it as well. Um, and you know, so I mean, yeah, there's a sort of big brawl erupted uh, towards the end of Zayn versus Butch, and as you said, uh, Zayn was actually he had Butch 
visibly had Butch beat, was about to hit a halluva kick, and then Jay ended up in the ring and blocked his path accidentally. You know, it wasn't, I don't think Jay was deliberately trying to prevent Zayn from winning the match. It was just what happened as a consequence of this big mayhem, this big commotion at ringside. So Zayn then yelled at Jay for uh, getting in his way and then came back and won with the bitter end. So again, that's further in this story, the tension, the aggro between Jay and Sammy. We should mention earlier on the show, Kenny, uh, Jay cracked up again, didn't he, backstage? He did. did. You see that? Yeah, because Sammy Zayn is so Sammy Zayn came out earlier to, to talk to the Braun Brutes and basically guarantee a bloodline victory at War Games. Yeah. And then when they come to the back, Jay is so sort of shouting at Sammy for, you know, why are you guaranteeing wins and whatever? And Sammy's like, I don't know what I did wrong. And then Jimmy tries to kind of uh, smooth things over. But again, Sammy just makes Jay crack. It, it, it's funny, like Sammy went up to Jimmy and he did this like ridiculous like handshake thing, <laughs> just cracking up in the background. <laughs> I mean, that must be the goal each week to just yeah. try and cause Jay to corpse, and he does all the time. So that was, that was really funny. And I, actually, I was amused as well when Jay started having to go at Sammy. What are you doing, you know, making these guarantees about the bloodline winning? And like, Sammy's like, well, hold on a minute. What are you saying? That we're going to lose? And Jay's like, no, I'm not saying that. Well, what's the problem then? So they're actually, <laughs> you know, even though they're in total agreement, they're still managing to have an argument, which is pretty funny, actually. So, I mean, yeah, this match was just really a backdrop to the to the chaos at ringside. Uh, as you said, Roman Reigns came out. Uh, he's ended up beating down uh, Ridge and beat down Drew and then Kevin Owens. Um, and Reigns ended up getting into it, and Owens actually beat Reigns down in the corner. What a pesting he laid on Reigns. Reigns was destroyed. And then Sammy and Owens stood face to face, and like, no, we were trying to work out what they were going to do, and at that point, Reigns rose from the dead. He nailed Owens with the Superman punch, so we didn't get to see that square off or whether or not they would attack each other. And they furthered that as well on Raw, didn't we? I'll just quickly mention this. They furthered it on Raw that Kevin Owens um, mentioned that Sami Zayn was like a brother to him. So I'm sure that will be mentioned and explored and brought up probably by Jay on SmackDown this Friday, Kenny. Yes, I think I think it will. Can, can the bloodline trust Sami Zayn? Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought the, the bloodline stuff, especially with the intro- introduction of uh, Owens as the fifth guy, was a, was great. It was really good. Uh, and yeah. Owens Owens had put it over on social media that it was a, he, one of his kind of career highlights of the reaction that he got from the crowd. So, um, yeah, it was, it was strong stuff. Yeah, um, definitely. It was more story-driven rather than the match. I mean, it was almost like, you know, Vince Russo era WWF, wasn't it, where the, the match was actually secondary to the angle. You know, but the action <laughs> yeah. was really good as well, which is usually wasn't during Vince Russo era <laughs> WWF. Um, but I mean, it was, it was, yeah, I thought it was a really good angle. And all the people were were there to really push um, Owens's, you know, arrival as a member of uh, the Brawling Brutes gang to face the Bloodline in war games. And uh, yeah, it felt big time. Yeah, it felt really, I think it was the perfect way to end the show. Um, I mean, I also, I was really pleasantly surprised. I thought the LA Knight Bray Wyatt stuff was really good um, because now it's going somewhere. Now, you know, the idea that Bray Wyatt tells LA Knight, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go. Because LA Knight slaps him, right? 
And um, and then Bray Wyatt says, "I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I'm not." Bray Wyatt apologizes, and then Ellie uh, Knight slaps him and says, "We're even." And Bray Wyatt says, "Well, I'm not gonna, you know, the, my instinct says to do bad things to you, but I'm not gonna do it. We're even." And Bray Wyatt's gonna leave it there, and he's gonna let bygones be bygones, and he offers to shake Ellie Knight's hand, and Ellie Knight slaps him again, and says, it's a "Two for one special." And the look on Bray Wyatt's face. You know, was was this is a very good story of Bray Wyatt trying to like battle with his inner demons, and then of course later on the show, Ellie Knight tries to leave, and we see the mask kind of in the in the darkness. Yeah. Uh, later on, we see Ellie Knight with um, lots of arena equipment piled on top of him, with him unconscious. What are you making of this? Uh, their second confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. Just just finally, just also something I didn't add earlier to the, the final angle. Um, in the end, uh, Reigns ended up, uh, sorry, Ke- Kevin Owens nailed Reigns with a stunner and the bloodline retreated and Reigns was really selling that stunner. So the bloodline looked weak and the Brawling Brutes team looked really strong. So I thought that was a nice way to end the show as well with, you know, bloodline uncharacteristically and Reigns as well being the one who's backpedaling and looks really vulnerable. But anyway, yeah, getting back to LA Knight and Bray Wyatt. So Wyatt was in the ring and he said he wanted to apologize to LA Knight. And he mentioned that last week he'd had a moment of weakness and strayed from his path because we know Wyatt's in this battle with himself. You know, he doesn't want to succumb to those urges to do horrible, violent, and unpleasant things to people. So LA Knight walked out um, to apparently accept Wyatt's apology and he slapped him and said, right, now we're even, and we can go our separate ways. Uh, Then Bray mentioned, you know, brought up that he was fighting his urges, and there's all these things that he wanted to do. Uh, But at that point, Wyatt, you know, again, he was like, right, hold on a second, you know, we're even. And Wyatt offered his hand tonight in a handshake. Um, And uh, Knight's like, well, are you serious? And, like, the idea being that they're going to shake hands, and then that was going to bring their beef to an end but instead Knight responded with a sucker punch and then he retreated from White uh, from Wyatt and uh, we had a close-up on Bray Wyatt's face and he looked really demented you know he, he, he had bad things in mind at this point and then backstage Knight was really obnoxious to the interviewer and then he left and then moments later we saw it actually was after the um was it after the Shayna Baszler and Shotzi match? We saw Knight buried under all these items of equipment. There was chairs, but curiously, there was also beer barrels. Kenny, did you notice that? I did. I did notice that. Uh, so, <laughs> where where has Bray Wyatt got the beer barrels from? I mean, we assume that he was responsible for that. Quite how he managed to like you know KO uh, Knight and then find all those items of furniture and. Bury them, bury him under them. I'm not sure, but this is pro wrestling, and we're not supposed to think about certain things too deeply. No. Otherwise, it ruins it. So uh, yeah, so Knight was um, certainly left laying there, and presumably this is going to lead to a match at Survivor Series, Kenny. Yeah, and I mean, I on paper, I never thought this would have worked, but it, it's working so far. Uh, but something that is not working in execution is we had Shotzi versus Shayna Baszler. Mm, I mean, you know how. Right. Th- they say cards subject to change sometimes. <laughs> if they can enforce that for Survivor Series, Shotzi is, I mean, 
how do you be kind? It's just she's not she's not good. She's just no. not any but Raquel Rodriguez out there smiling, you know, and causing the distraction for Shotzi to beat Shayna. And it's just like make Raquel a badass and put her in the position. And you know, if you don't want to go there yet, then find somebody more interesting than Shotzi because she's not she's just not got what it takes to to be believable in the role of taking on Ronda Rousey. And I don't no. think that we need another you know, she because she rolls up Shayna Baszler here, so it's another. She's an underdog, and we've just seen that for like four months. Yeah, exactly. With um, with Ronda and Liv Morgan. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, Shayna was at, Shayna fought Shotzi here. Ronda Rousey was at ringside, and Rousey kept distracting Shotzi, and that was to reduce the number of moves that Shotzi had to do in the match, and thus reducing the number of things that Shotzi could screw up. I mean, that was the whole purpose of that. So Raquel Rodriguez came out and she just stood in the aisle and Shotzi was distracted. And sorry, Shayna was distracted. And then Shotzi pinned Shayna with a fluke roll up. So we're supposed to believe after that match, which Baszler would have won, had Raquel not come out, was supposed to believe that Shotzi poses a threat to Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. This is so pointless, Kenny. <laughs> and, and and if this was like, you know, like a like a B pay-per-view and it was like, you know, just, you know, September and nothing's happening, fine. You know, it's, but it's Survivor Series. You've got the Bloodline doing the War Games match. You've got the Women War Games match. You've got some big stuff on the show. And... Ronda, Ronda Rousey needs an, you know, I know they're building to Becky Lynch or I'm sure they're building to Becky Lynch down the line but yeah. we should be able to have some fun stories to lead up to the big thing, we shouldn't have to go through it's like Drew McIntyre, right Drew McIntyre went through what felt like a year of absolute dross to get to the Roman Reigns match in Cardiff and, you know, because I mean at one point, at the weekend I was with some people and I had forgotten who Drew McIntyre faced at Wrestlemania it took me about five minutes to remember it was Baron Corbin. And with Ronda, it's like Ronda kind of feels like Drew right now. But it's like, you know, you've got this name who's, I mean, they're different, but Ronda can be valuable if you put her in scenarios that are interesting. And this is not interesting. No, no, it's not. And um, there was no doubt, you know, the, the outcome is a foregone conclusion. We know who's going to win. Um, and as I said last week, the only thing we don't know is how many sequences they're going to screw up. That's the only thing we don't know, you know, but probably a lot if the match goes more than three minutes. <laughs> well, because we, yeah, we, 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 we talked about this, we've talked about this loads of times about how, you know, Ronda Rousey is still a sort of newish wrestler and she needs people who can guide her and Shotzi is, is not a guider. That's it. She needs a you know, ring general and Shotzi is some distance from <laughs> a ring general. I mean, she's not, I mean, I'm not, I mean... <laughs> I mean, would you say private? Would you say corporal? Where would you yeah. say, Kenny? I mean, I, at this point, I'd say retail assistant. I mean, it's yep. it's not even, <laughs> you know, she, you're not getting in love, you know, go go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's just, I, I really want to like Shotzi. I really, like, I like the fact that she's different. She looks different. She feels different. But I think that just when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, I just don't think that she's, I, I do that part of it, I think, is not, Part of it is that I don't think they're, they're booking her very well either. I don't think it's all on her for being not great in the ring. I don't think they're no. 
back. Well, I think it is, Kenny. I mean, I'm a fan of hers. You know, I, I like the gimmick. I think she actually talks really well. I think she's really underrated on promos. Um, I, I mean, I think she's a very attractive woman. I think the gimmick really works. It's, you know, she's obviously committed to it with all the tattoos that she has. But in the ring, she's got a very, it's a really sort of wayward style where she she doesn't do any transitions or any actual wrestling. It's lots of running around moves that require far too much suspension of disbelief, require their opponents to just stand there or lie there and wait for her to potentially hit her, you know, and who knows how she'll hit her opponent because she always often seems to be out of control in the ring. But I just think she needs to simplify her act. And I don't know why she doesn't just do more basic things like body slams and forearms and just some real basic stuff rather than trying to do these complicated moves that she makes a mess of, like, you know, sort of every other time. So I just think her style is just... She yeah, she just needs to simplify a style. I'm not sure why more competitors or more people in wrestling don't do this. Is it don't attempt moves that you can't successfully perform? It's that simple. Indeed. You know, just find a style that works for you and that you can do, you know, successfully, safely, competently, you know, each time out. And shot shotsy almost all of her moves. Whenever she does anything, I think, oh my God, what's gonna happen now? That's my reaction every time she takes off. I mean, how is she, is she going to kill herself? Is she going to like do herself in? Is she going to hurt her opponent? And uh, yeah, she's really just uh, just kind of rec- kind of reckless in the ring. Maybe reckless isn't a fair, a fair word, but she never seems to be in control of what she's doing. No. Uh, well, let's let's move on to AEW Field Gear. We're not going to go through every match um, because you know I know some of you really like AEW, so I don't want to do that to you, but. Um, I mean, I, I thought the show had a, had a lot to offer. I thought there was some good story development with it. You know, there was some good results in it. Uh, but let's go through some of the bigger matches. Um, Jungle Boy beat Luchasaurus pretty decisively in the cage match in the opener. I was quite pleasantly surprised that Jungle Boy got the win, you know, without kind of any help, but he kind of did it himself. Um, I, but it feels like there's this weird thing where are they going to keep this kind of going until Christian comes back or are they going to move him on? What 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 do you think the move that they sh- is they should make? Well, I feel like this or that for Gear Saturday, November 19th, that was the end of the feud. I mean, the cage match is, that's a ring of finality to a cage match. Um, Jack Perry, he exacted his retribution on Luchasaurus for turning heel on him for the second time. Um, One with the snare trap. So it was a very decisive outcome. Um, I think that's it for the feud. I mean, I don't think Cage is going to return until what, maybe May, June time, something like that. And that would really, I think that would really hurt Ju- uh, Jungle Boy because if you're keeping, because also it's like by May, is is Jungle Boy and Christian going to be a match that anybody cares about anymore? You know, it's like you either sometimes when when you don't get to do a match that people that, that's being built, you kind of just have to accept. Well, that's it. We move on. Yeah, I mean, they can go back to it, but I think Jack Perry- has an appetite. Yeah, it needs to do something in the interim that's different. So yeah. they can definitely go back to the feud. Maybe he'll be back in April. So I mean, he suffered the injury in September, didn't he? So maybe yeah. he'll be back in April time. But it's still, we're still talking five months off. Yeah. Um, well, no, look, I'm not going to ask you your thoughts on the match between Death Triangle and the Elite because, you know, we've, we've gone over this a hundred times. But it was interesting because when Death Triangle won the match, I was like, oh, we were wrong. You know the the elite have not won, won won the titles back. 
Yeah. And then we find it later in the show. It's going to be a best of seven series, which will yeah. be on every single week of Dynamite until January the 11th. <laughs> I mean, Tony I mean, Khan's trolling us all, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, the, the thing is, even the most kind of, even the people who love, you know, even people who love the, the, the Buck stuff or, or whatever, you know, like Big Dave, like everybody, people are concerned that this best of seven series is going to be a challenge because even if you're a big fan of this style and their matches, it's going to be very hard to do seven different matches. Yeah, within, yeah definitely. Especially I mean, all back to back. Yeah, it's like going to your favourite restaurant, isn't it? Seven days in a row. <laughs> I mean, you just wouldn't That's do really it. Good it's by day five. You're like, well, I just want to change now. You know, I just want something <laughs> else. Can I give you? Can I give you a statistic that uh, Stephen Bradley on Facebook gave me? And I thought it was a great stat. Do you know that in 2022, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon have had more singles matches than Kenny Omega? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that a great statistic? Yeah. Um, well, I'm actually <laughs> thankful for that, Kenny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we've got we've got seven seven matches uh, to look forward to, and um, look, I mean, I think the people who uh, enjoy Death Triangle Elite stuff, I'm not saying this in a snide way, which I know it sounds like I am, um, but you know, if the people who enjoy that kind of stuff, I think they would have enjoyed this. So fair play. Um, mm. we'll, we'll skip by Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. Um, the four way: Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and Sammy Guevara. Four way for the ROH title. Jericho was over in the end, but uh, what did you make of this match? Uh, I mean, it had its moments. I thought when Claudio was in there with Danielson, there was some uh, good exchanges. Um, I thought they did far too much, um, as usual, as they had done in most of the matches until this point. Um, I mean, at one point, I mean, Guevara did like a shooting star press. Um, on actually, it was on Jericho, wasn't it? And yes. then later on in the match, Guevara did another shooting star press to the floor. Why would you do two shooting star presses in the same match when neither of them was going to be the finish? Just seemed like totally excessive, over the top um, and pointless, ultimately. Um, I mean, the finish was was quite something, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, Cass- Claudio did... He did the giant swing on Guevara. Uh, and then Jericho was going for the Judas effect. Yeah, it was like he was, it's like he tripped up. It's like he tripped up his shoelaces and just fell over, crashed into Claudio. It was just looked dreadful. I mean, just, just so clumsy. And I don't even know what he was trying to do. I mean, Jericho's been doing this a while, hasn't he? <laughs> I mean, he 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 did put in to give Jericho. He did put in a bit of a shift here for somebody his age. I mean, he the thing that he's trying to do, I guess, which you can either commend him for or you can, you know, slate him for, is that he's not trying to just be Hollywood Hogan at this point. He's trying to keep up, but with that comes age. But, but I mean, he almost is trying to be like Hulk Hogan because I mean, at one point. Um, Claudio had the sharpshooter on Jericho. And then at the same time, Danielson applied the label lock on Jericho and he didn't tap. 
this double submission assault. I was convinced. Two killer that... submission holds and he didn't tap. I was convinced that that was going to be the finish and then it was going to be Danielson. And... Oh, no, they weren't going to let us off out lightly. No, we had to have like at least <laughs> more minutes of pain. So, I mean, yeah, just did this utterly shambolic Judas effect where he just fell on Claudio and then he and then he did that, elder, you, you know, it's just one of the worst finishes in wrestling, the Judas effect. So then he, he hits the elbow on Claudio and pinned him while Guevara was just lying right next to Jericho and could have broke up the pin and didn't. So who do you just, think is I feel for be... Danielson, I feel for Claudio, that they were booked in the shambles. Who do you think uh, Jericho's opponent's gonna be at final battle now? I don't care. <laughs> you know, hopefully... It's very rare that I can break you, but I think today's the day. Hopefully um... you'll have transportation problems and won't make it to the show. <laughs> Right, let's move on. Uh, Soraya came back and faced Britt Baker, and it was a pretty forgettable match overall. But, I mean, you know, for Soraya coming back after five years, I don't think she did a bad job. I just don't think that she... It's, you're kind of in this impossible scenario where if you've been out for five years and you're not... You know, it's not like she's been on the road for three months perfecting it or whatever. She's just yeah. back in there. So I mean... it's tough, because I almost feel like I don't want to... You you almost want to be kind because it's you know she even said in the post show media scrum she said I've got ring rust you know there's no doubt about it there's no I do but you know that that's something I'm gonna have to work off so you know she's aware yeah I mean she did do the thing that nobody else has done Finn which is beat Britt Baker because how many women came in and should have beat Britt Baker you know one of them should have to be sort of Ruby Soho should have done yeah Ruby Soho or you know. But what usually happened is they would come in and then they would lose and then you wouldn't really know what to do. But Soraya has beat her, so mm. it feels like... You know, I'll be interested to see where that goes next. Um, would have been a hell of a lot more interesting if she'd lost and then they'd work to a rematch. That would have been a much better story. Yes. If Soraya come back, she'd sold the neck. They'd done the, the match based on, you know, almost like SummerSlam 2002 match, you know, with uh, Soraya selling the neck from start to finish. Uh, Baker scoring the pin and then Soraya's there holding her neck and that leads to a rematch. I mean, I wouldn't have any faith in AEW being able to book that correctly. You know, I mean, really, I mean, really, I mean, you know, an 11-year-old could with a basic understanding of pro wrestling, but I wouldn't have any faith in Tony Khan doing that correctly. So maybe it was for the best, best that, that Soraya won, so this series is apparently over. But to me, yeah, I mean, it would have been far more interesting had Baker won this match in all seriousness. Um, you know, close finish. Soraya coming back first match in nearly five years. Uh, Baker targeting the neck, scoring like a flute win. She could have even there could have even been outside interference leading to Baker's tainted victory, and that could have then led to a rematch. Maybe at Winter is coming. You know, mm -hmm. maybe on a TV special in January. So it just feels like they've blown blown this feud off with one match, Kenny, to me. Because how can they really go back to it? Or maybe they're not going back. To, maybe they're moving on. Maybe hey, Brett Baker is going to be because something. That, I mean, this kind of plays into the next match. But Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. I wonder if you know Brett Baker is going to almost become like in the background to Jamie Hayter, and that can start the kind of split. Yeah, well, they, they've definitely been talking that one up on commentary that Baker likes to be the center of attention. Uh, they mentioned this on Rampage a couple of weeks ago. Um, the Baker likes to be the center of attention, and Jamie Hater is surpassing her. 
becoming a bigger star than her. Mm-hmm. You know, now that uh, Jamie Hayter is the interim women's champion, um, will Baker be jealous of Jamie Hayter? I mean, this was a story that they they visited a while ago and then apparently dropped, or maybe it was like a ruse. I don't, re- I didn't really understand why they didn't pursue it to the end. Maybe they just decided to pause it and they're going to go back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they probably are actually. Jamie Hayter is champ. Baker's not the star of the squad anymore. Star of the little three three put three woman act. Um, we should mention because some somebody who I don't know. If, I mean, this I think Athena turned heel on Rampage uh, oh. on Friday. Um, it's actually a pretty good spot where she actually put her hands on Aubrey Edwards, and you know they've they've not really had anybody put their hands on the referees for the most part. So it kind of felt quite like a moment that she did it. Um, and I wonder if maybe Athena and Paige, you could, oh God, Paige, sorry, Saraya. Um, why did I all of a sudden muck that up now? Um, Athena and Saraya, maybe that's the next direction for her uh, to go in. But um, I guess we'll see. We'll see what they do. And but I mean, we did get some some uh, some feedback, Finn, from our friend Rocky Kingston on Twitter. Yeah, because you know we pointed out before that Tony Storm is is known for giving away the result with her face. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> telegraphing the outcome. And boy, did she do that at full gear. When she came out, I was like, I could start to relax. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. Yeah, um, just, she might as well have a T-shirt printed up. I'm doing the job. I will say, I said this with, with Sandra, and I want it because I don't compliment Tony Storm very often, just because I'm, but this was probably my favorite Tony Storm match I've seen. Pure, and maybe, maybe most of it is because I was so desperate for Jamie Hayter to beat her. Like you know, I felt like I felt like Jamie Hayter was was from Glasgow. I felt like I'd grown <laughs> up with her, and she lived down the road, and she'd saved my mother from a burning building. That was the level of loyalty I felt to Jamie Hayter in this match. So when she won. I was rejoicing. Team Jamie. Team Jamie. I mean, you know, she we said this last week, she hundred percent needed to win this, should have yes. won this, and the, the title will be more interesting on her than Tony by a mile. Yes, yes. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was ple- I was pleased with the outcome as well. Um and um yeah, I mean they, they did a lot. I mean, they did far too much. I mean <laughs> Tony was just kicking out of moves that Hulk Hogan wouldn't have kicked out of in his prime. Uh, it was uh, super Tony. She had to, she, she had to John Cena mode there by kicking out of just all sorts of huge moves. Um, but I mean, yeah, the the the, the bottom line is that mm-hmm. Jamie Hater is now the interim women's champion. I think they're gonna restart the Hater, you know, Baker jealousy type thing, and I think. Uh, you know, the end game here is that Jamie Hayter will turn babyface. And I think she can be a star as a babyface in the women's division. And um, I think they're really onto onto something with Jamie Hayter. You know, ultimately, I think she needs to join WWE. I think she goes there, they'll work out, you know, change her act slightly, they'll change her costumes. I think she can be a major player in the WWE system. So hopefully she'll end up there at some point. But in the in the interim, in the interim, uh, hopefully she can do something with that interim women's title. I think she'll do more with it than Tony Stone did. 
We, I mean, to, to me, I think Jamie Hayter, if 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 they're smart, Jamie Hayter will basically be, you know, if if the WWE had the four horsewomen before, you know, have have your kind of four pillars of the women's division. Britt Baker is obviously one based on how big a character she is. Jamie Hayter should be another one. Find who the other couple are, and then protect them and put them in good stories. And you know, because that, because that's like when you bring up the WWE thing. You know, you want to be making sure that none that nobody wants to go to WWE or the people who you're pushing and protecting don't want to go unless yeah. you've kind of out, you know outused them. You know, you've got no more use for them. But with yeah. Jamie Hayter, what I'm hoping for is I don't really want to see. I would prefer to see her and Britt Baker kind of like a bubbling under situation, and then maybe at Revolution something happens where that's when the split happens. And then give us the match at double or nothing. Give us a long story with the women. That's a good story. That's got like some meat to it. So that if they have this big match at double or nothing next year with uh, Jamie and Britt, um, and they can hopefully by that point be really practicing working together, that they can have a big match on that show. <laughs> and you nice. called me an optimist earlier in this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm look. I like Jamie here. Jamie here saved my mom from a burning building. Finn, what do you want me to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Mustafa Ali's got more chance of headlining WrestleMania than all that happening that you just <laughs> described. Well, we'll 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 see who's we'll see who's laughing if it's Mustafa Ali in the main event WrestleMania <laughs> or Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker having a big match at Double or Nothing. Oh, Main event time. Uh, oh no! So we had the, the split of uh, Swerve and Keith Lee during the uh, tag title match. They claimed so they have now split, which yeah. means that we are probably heading to the acclaimed and FTR. Um, I probably, if I was ranking the acclaimed Swerve and Keith Lee series, I would say the All Out one was the best. This was the second, and then the third one was the TV one for me. That would be my if I had to rank them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought the the ending was was pretty hot. I mean, it. Uh, I mean, by this point, that so much had happened on the show. I mean, the show just. I mean, I had to watch it in two parts. To be honest, I had enough after the second match, and I managed to persevere for a couple more matches. And I just had to take a few hours off, and, and I, I came back to it because it was just overkill as all AEW pay per views are. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they claimed uh, I was pleased to see them win. And then, you know, they did the Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee split. Finally, uh, Keith Lee still teamed with him, with his with Strickland, even though Strickland had like, you know, uh, dis- you know man- mangled uh, Billy Gunn's hands with a pair of pliers. But they still had the match together, you know, that's the sort of professional that Keith Lee is. <laughs> Um, right, let's talk about the main event. So the main event is obviously Moxley and MJF for the AEW title. Uh, Taz said in commentary that this is probably the first time that somebody from Long Island got such a positive reception in New Jersey, which is good local local banter. Um, the crowd were very pro MJF. They were very anti John Moxley from the beginning. They were yeah. booing Moxley, um, and they have the match, and the crowd were you know very much behind MJF. And then in the end, the the sort of decider was William Regal Finn, who initially was trying to get MJF to not use the Dynamite Diamond Ring, but in the end, he slipped the brass knucks to MJF and helped. It him. was a ruse. It was a ruse, and I was going to ask you because um, you know what you thought of it, and also it kind of reminded me a little bit of you know in in '98 when The Rock did the kind of I'm a babyface thing, but turned it deadly game in '98, and yes. when they did that. 
you know, they were able to get that that last heel run out of the rock to the following April when he then turned babyface. It feels like that's what they're doing here. Uh, what do you think of that? Do you think that's the that's the move? Um, would you would you prefer if he just went full babyface? What did you think? Um, I, I don't really know. I mean, it's it is it is curious, isn't it? Because this is at least the third time that MGF has pretended that he has or is turning babyface, um, only to then reveal that it was a setup all along and that he was just fooling the fans and taking them, you know, for for idiots. So I don't know, really. I think people are going to be very hesitant to believe MGF if he does hint at or, you know, make moves towards turning babyface again, because, you know, it's the boy who cried wolf's situation syndrome, isn't it? Because, you know, we've been fooled so many times before. Mm-hmm. So I'm really not sure if he can turn face now. Because, I mean, I know people were, were cheering him here. But in the end, they did the heel turn on Moxley. You know, Regal came out. We kind of predicted this. It wasn't that difficult to predict that Regal would help MGF defeat Moxley for the belt here. Um, so I'm not quite sure where, where this is all going to go. Um Possibly MGF is better staying in the in the heel role, Kenny. I think maybe he's like a Charlotte Flair, who's just like a career villain, uh, and probably can't play face. Well, could, but is just more comfortable and more effective in the villain role. So I think he's pretty much stuck with it now. I mean, let's face it. Let's just say, right, in May or June, he starts down the you know babyface boulevard again, Kenny. Mm-hmm. You know, how long would he have to stay? on that road for you to believe that it's for keeps this time. Really, honestly, how long? If he had went babyface when? In well, well say May or June, baby. he were to do a, do a face turn. And you think, well, he's put, he's done this before. And then at a later date has actually just revealed that he was, he was just doing this for, you know. Yeah, you, for, you'd, you'd probably for, be a few months in and you'd still yeah, on the back of your maybe going... Mm. But I mean, the, the one, the one, the one big positive, or well, one of the big positives, I think, to him being the heel here, is that you know, earlier in the show they had uh, Wardlow drop the TNT title without being involved in the finish. Yeah, which felt like a deliberate way to kind of get Wardlow out of that situation, and maybe Wardlow is going to go after MJF. You know, maybe that's maybe they're going to rekindle their thing, try and heat Wardlow back up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's good. I think the the difficulty for certain baby faces is going to be the MJF is so good as a heel. He's so good as a heel that he ends up becoming a baby face because he's so good. And The Rock had that as well. But the the challenge there then has to be the baby face has to be so good that they need to. It's like in in WWF, The Rock was was such a cool heel, but mankind was so lovable. Yeah, Steve Austin was so relatable that they were like on that level with him. So it never became like a, you know, Austin and Mankind weren't getting booed against The Rock. It was just that they were able. So with AEW now, it's like if MGF is this big heel, the only person I think who at the moment probably would get cheered over him is Wardlow if they can heat him back up. But yeah. I, mean, I think you know, I don't know how many other baby faces they've got that I think fans would really get behind to beat MJF, so that's the challenge. Well, it is. I mean, I, I don't know either. I mean, I mean, so much damage has been done to so many members of the roster that it is hard to figure. Like, I mean, we saw when MJF was in there with Wheeler Utah, 
and Wheeler Utah had that, you know, plucky baby face, you know, a real grafter and somebody who had quite a bit of grassroots support. But when they pitted him against uh, MGF, MGF basically just humiliated him on the mic. I mean, I know Utah came back and they did have a pretty good match and I think it did work. But I mean, he was in a tough spot with Utah because MGF is is just, you know, pardon the pun, he's dynamite on the mic. So, yeah, who's it going to be? Who's going to provoke that babyface reaction? I mean, MGF can be, he. I mean, if he's really, really evil as a villain as and he's really beats people down and he really does proper heel stuff, he should be able to provoke the correct response. I mean, do we still think it's going to be Ethan Page versus MGF at when it is coming? It sort of looks like that was the direction of travel. But well, I mean, looks, that doesn't really no, work now, does it? No, yeah. I mean, it looks now like it's going to be Ricky Starks, which is actually a way more appealing match yeah. than, than, than Page. Because Starks, Starks has got something. He's got some some sort of, you know, potential there. And I think that he would benefit way more from the from a kind of MGF thing than Page. Because Ethan Page almost feels like like a, like an altered version of MJF. You know, they're both heels. They're both kind of like up themselves. They're both arrogant or whatever. Whereas Ricky Starks is someone that I think that the, the mini program with MJF could be beneficial to him. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, it does, it does seem like they're going to have to do the shift because it just won't make sense for Ethan Page and his current character to wrestle MJF in his new character or his old character, reverted yeah. or regressed or whatever you want to call it. Um, so, I mean, you would hope, I mean, Danielson versus MGF, the problem with Danielson, they've done a lot of damage to him. He just feels like yesterday, he feels like yesterday's man. Yeah. I mean, the the other thing is, you know, Danielson's doing interviews all over the shop saying he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to wrestle full time anymore. Um, you know, this is, he wants to kind of go, you know, go to part time. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's with Danielson, he's no, he's nowhere near as hot as he was a year ago. Um, and also, I don't know if he. You remember that there was that whole thing that after Shawn Michaels was the champion two thousand and two for that yeah. short run, that yeah. there was the whole thing that he'd said he he didn't want the belt throughout that run. You always hear still. I'm sure you, you wrote, wrote it in Power Slam at Bob. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. They wanted to make him champ, and he and he took the belt reluctantly because he was part time. Yeah, so maybe Danielson is also kind of like um, you know, maybe like they've had ideas of like oh, we could do this or whatever, and he's going, I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want to. It's not the position that I want. We don't know that, but you know that would probably be probably the only sane explanation for why he's not been <laughs> for that. I mean, and like you know, Claudio would have been a not perfect opponent for MGF. Who did the job in that Ring of Honor tile match? I know. Well, I mean, I mean that is something you could do. Claudio is someone you could heat up for the. T- the, the good thing for MGF is I think he's got a lot of good TV feuds that he can do. With somebody like Claudio, especially with the regal connection, with uh, Ricky Starks or whatever, but you know who's the pay- who are the pay per view opponents? Who's who's Revolution? Who's you know? And maybe I mean to me, Revolution's Wardlow. That's what I would be hedging my bets. But you got to get him back to where he was. You know, yeah. I would I would have him come out and dynamite this week and say, you know, Samoa Joe, you take the TNT title. I'm not interested. I I know exactly where I, where I need to go. And it's MJF and it's the world title. And then you have MJF put, you know, obstacles on his side, have some side stuff to keep him going for the next month or two, and then start building the MJF stuff with Wardlow. Um, mm. But will they do that? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out this week um, on on what's going to happen. But um, 
That is all the time we've got for today, Finn, but we will be back on Thursday on Patreon, Friday on the main feed to talk Raw and whatever other bits of news come out of Dynamite or generally happen in wrestling. But I think it's fair to say we probably, for your sanity, will avoid discussion on match two of the Best of Seven series. (laughs) (laughs) The finish of that match, I was having flashbacks to aces and eights with the hammer. (laughs) I was just like, that's it. I'd say gone back to 2013 with the hammer, with the rubber hammer. <laughs> Maybe Tony Khan was secretly a big fan of the aces and eights angle. Story. Well, we did, we, we did actually, um, we didn't really talk about the Sting and Darby against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal match, but we did get a TNA chant. <laughs> Who knew we'd have a romanticized notion of TNA was for Sting and Jeff Jarrett in 2022? <laughs> By the way, I'm going to be reviewing Full Gear in its entirety in my next edition of What Else is Going Down. So don't worry, there will be more, there will be written words about the show. <laughs> Realise there's lots of matches we didn't cover here, but I will be covering it in my next column, which will be uh, completed this week. There you go. Get over to Patreon, check that. You can also hear me on Patreon uh, right now. If, if Sandra and I reviewed Full Gear and I had an aneurysm at the thought of a best of seven series. And I explain things I would rather see and better experiences I've had. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, but I did say, I, I just want to say this because I said it on Patreon. For anybody who thinks that I'm being anti-Young Bucks or anti-AEW, I hated Cena's run on top. I hated it in WWE. So this is not me being, there's just some performers you don't like and you can't, you know, I think I think if, if I was to try and pretend to like them, I think you would see through it. As I say like them, I'm not them. You know, they seem like nice enough guys or whatever, but I mean, you know, them as wrestlers. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you, you don't like all movies. You don't like all, you know, I've never seen Lord of the Rings, right? And there's three films, and I'm not a big sci-fi or, or you know, like what? What kind of what kind of genre movie would you call Lord of the Rings? Fantasy? Is that what it is? Yeah, fantasy. Like yeah, yeah, fantasy. Yeah. So like, and I'm, one of one of my friends was saying, "Oh, you really should watch Lord of the Rings." I was going to sell it to me. So, is 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 he looking? He's looking for a ring. Yes. Right. Why does it take him three films to find it? No, 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 got... no, he, no he finds the he has the ring in the first in the first film. Right, but then he has to destroy the ring. Correct. But he can't do that in the first film. No, it, it requires three films for him to do that. Well, see, that's a lot of commitment for somebody to destroy a ring. Henry, there's no way. I have seen those films. I've seen the extended versions of those films. I own the extended versions of those films. And I can tell you that you would not have the patience for them. (laughs) There's no way. I think you know me too well. Look, there's shops down the road for me. You can take a ring down. They'll destroy it in 10 minutes. (laughs) You can be back home within the half hour. You don't need to spend well, ten and a half hours and extend that it. easy with the with the one true ring. I mean, oh, and then you've got to do, and then you've got to do the three prequels to find out how the ring was made or whatever. Oh yeah, they yeah, are. yeah, the Hobbit films. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I've I've seen the first one of those. I haven't got round to watching the uh, numbers two and three yet, and they've been out for like years. So it's obviously not a priority of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, someone did try to smash the ring with like a hammer or an axe or something in one of the films. Didn't work. They had to take it to Mount Doom. That was the only <laughs> place where, where it could be destroyed. Well, you know, look, 
I'm, I, I'm, and again, I'm ruined it for you now, Kenny. There's no point watching it. And I'd, I'd got the extended editions on my Amazon wish list for Christmas and everything. You have to take them off now. Um, that along with the Young Bucks autobiography. Anyway. If we're doing a Santa exchange thing, I could get you the young, the young Bucks autobiography. I could review it on the podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I am anti Young Bucks, by the way. Just like to put them out there. Nobody would have. You know, nobody would have guessed, fun. Nobody. That's, you know, any ambiguity about that. <laughs> anyway, um, listen, I want to thank you for all your support um, and hope you've enjoyed the fun on the podcast. But we will be back on Thursday with more and we'll see what the you know the fallout was from Phil Gear on Dynamite. We'll see, but we'll talk about Raw and if there's any other news, we shall get to it. So I want to thank you all for your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.